Okay. Does everybody have? Yes? Okay. What is our social contract? 40 minutes? What is it? What is it? Well, you say that. Um, yeah, I don't know how much I need. Okay. Um, thank you very much for having me again. It's an honor. What is our time? In all honesty, go ahead. No, no, no. What is the time? 40? 45? What is it? 40? Okay. Um, so I've never really spoken about this before in a shir or in a lecture, so um, you're the pilot group. Um, so you've just heard from an expert on phobias and fears and so on, so I'm not going to do that. But I do think that it is important to open with uh, you know, a base understanding of, of what fear is in order for us to be able to have a Torah treatment of it, right? Um, both in terms of its biology and in terms of its psychology. So what I have for you over here on the pages is a picture of, and I'm sorry if I repeat anything that was said, but a picture of the, the limbic system of the brain. The limbic system uh, includes the amygdala. The amygdala, the limbic system in general is called the lizard brain. And the, yes, thank you. And the, li, the lizard brain is called the lizard brain because that aspect of the brain is shared across species down to reptiles. It is the only aspect really of a brain that reptiles have. But what it tells you, first of all, is that it's very primitive. It is the oldest part of our brain. It, is, it achieves full maturity. That means it is fully formed for us by eight months of gestation. That means before we're born. Eight months in utero, the limbic system, the amygdala itself at least, is done. And it is able to function. To give you a sense, right, the frontal cortex, which is the newest part of any brain where it developed in humans, right, so you don't find that in other animals in the way that we have it. It's what allows for us to reason, to plan, language, and so on. That part of our brain, which is the shadow on, this, on the left over there, you know, the brain, part of the brain that looks familiar to you when you think of the brain, that's not completely mature and developed until about 24 years of age, which is why teenagers have such problems and so on and so forth. Sometimes we never grow out of those problems. But you can, understand, you can, you can recognize a vast difference. And because that part of our brain is so early developed and it governs fear, it is the executive center for processing fear. So it is responsible for fight and flight. It's responsible for how it is that we respond to situations that threaten our survival. Now it's true, right, as you've heard, there are situations that we perceive as threatening our survival that don't in reality necessarily threaten our survival, but we nonetheless respond 
as though they do. And that's because the amygdala has learned that this particular scenario, situation, person, face, entity, whatever it is, is threatening. And it learns, it's capable of learning those things from the moment it is done developing. That means already, in utero, there are situations that can affect the way that we deal with reality and whether we fight or fly away, right? Or we deal with it in terms of fear or in terms of confidence. And it is not necessarily voluntary because that whole part of the brain, the limbic system, is not voluntary. It's not necessarily connected to thought and reasoning. Because thought and reasoning happens here in the prefrontal cortex. What we hope to happen most often is that we are able to build neural connections between the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex. But as we know, very often, the amygdala vetoes whatever it is that you're reasoning with in your mind. And it has veto power because it's older and it's stronger. And it is, it is geared towards survival, right? So if you're in the jungle or you are hunting or whatever it is, and you're not sure whether it's a predator, you don't have time to sit there and wonder whether it is or it isn't. You need to get out of there or you need to get your spear out and get ready to go. So that's the world of fear. Right? It's the world of fear. It's the way that our brain deals with fear. And because of that, very early experiences get recorded, hard written, into our mind, into our brains. And we don't even realize what it is that we're fearing or why it is that we're fearing because it's so early. Because it happens so early in life before we can even think about why it is that things are bothering us, why it is that things cause me discomfort, slight fear, panic attacks, whatever the case may be, whatever range of fear we're dealing with. So what happens is, very often to us, is that we will fear something we will even be frightened of something, which is not the same thing, and have no idea why. We will feel uncomfortable in a situation, and we will find ourselves acting in response to a situation out of fear, and sometimes it will only be subconscious. Because the likelihood is, whatever it is that's going on right now, has roots in early childhood, but we don't remember it. And we don't know how to draw the corollaries to it. And so all I know is I'm being afraid of something. I'm fearing something. I'm finding tremendous discomfort in a particular situation. I'm feeling myself defensive all of a sudden, even though I don't necessarily think that I need to be, but that's the way that I'm responding. And what happens is we find ourselves spontaneously responding to situations out of protection, fear, and what have you, without real consciousness to why. But when we are born... We are not born with fear downloaded into our brain. There are very few things that babies actually fear as downloaded situations. They're afraid of being dropped. Loud noises, that's about it. Babies will crawl right down the stairs and tumble down. You know, They don't even think for a minute that, oh, maybe we shouldn't do this. There's like you know, a drop here. It's learned. It's learned. So the question is, what does Torah say about this? I mean, it's part of the human condition. 
It's very difficult to, eat, to live a life and avoid fear. Most of us, if not all of us, in some way or another, find ourselves inhibited by our fears. We can tell ourselves that we're not afraid, but again, we don't necessarily volunteer our rea- responses and reactions. One thing that I will say, and we'll get into this a little bit, is one of the, the most effective ways to deal with this, although you know an expert will speak about the particulars, but one of the best ways to deal with this in any way, in any situation in which our limbic system is vetoing the prefrontal cortex or our, our instinctual responses are vetoing our thought and reason is to talk. It's one of the reasons why therapy works. If you get a good therapist that knows what he or she is doing and can help whisper to your amygdala. Because what happens in speech is it creates neural connections. So it allows for the prefrontal cortex to influence the amygdala. So that your reasoning becomes stronger and more prominent. So talking is very important when it comes to these things, as we will see. Reason Verbal reasoning is very important when it comes to these things. It's not the end-all and be-all. There are other things that have to happen because as I just heard uh, before, before the, the previous lecture ended and I put down here, avoidance is the worst thing that you can do with fear. You have to face your fears because what it, it does, the facing the fear inhibits the amygdala in, in trying to pull away or drive away from the fears. But we have to take a look at this because one thing that we know about fear is that because it has veto power over our reason and thought, it governs very often the way that we do things in our lives that thwarts our capacity to be able to progress in our lives. And we will find ourselves sometimes acting out of fear. In any given situation. And when we act out of fear, we are acting with defense. We're acting, assuming that there's a threat and I have to defend. And so walls come up, weapons come out, retreat happens, but it is not, and this we can probably all agree on, it is not the best tactic for growth, progress, creativity, development. Because what do all of those things require? There's one basic thing that all of those elements require from us, and that is vulnerability. In order to be able to grow, one must be open to change. In order to be able to be creative, one must be open to thinking about things that were never thought of before or not thought of in this way before. Any time that we are exposed to something new, to change, something that I don't know, the amygdala already is perking up and being concerned. We haven't been here before. Are you sure you know where you're going? Do you have any idea where this is headed? Do you think that it's going to be safe? Are you going to be able to come out on the other side? And so on and so forth. So on a certain level, we have to be vulnerable in order to be able to have any element of growth, development, creativity, relationship, connection. All of that requires facing fears. 
Because vulnerabilities mean that my defenses come down, not that they're up. It means that my, my soft points are on some level exposed. And therefore, by definition, are open to threat. And in order to be able to do that, you have to be able to have courage. And you have to have some level of security. In that, for, in the outcome, it is worth being vulnerable now for whatever it is that comes out eventually. So the Torah talks about this because you can imagine that this will have everything to do with our ability to be able to grow in terms of ourselves, to be able to grow as a nation, to be able to maintain a relationship with God in a world that for all intents and purposes is random, at least in our experience. We have absolutely no idea what's going to happen. Forget about tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen three minutes from now. And so it's no wonder that when we are children, right, children learn fear very quickly. And when we're children, we have tremendous... We talked about sleep last time. Were you here for the sleep talk? Yes. Right? Children can't sleep. I mean, they can, but they don't really do it well. But we don't either. It's just that we use other kinds of tactics in order to be able to get to sleep. But the reality is, is that these fears do not allow us to power down. So let's take a look. We're going to look at some things first and then I want to try and make sense of them. Take a look at, at number three. Very interesting. So Proverbs talks a lot about fear. Shlomo HaMelech speaks a great deal about fear. And one of the things that he says is, Ashre Adam Mefached Tamid. A person who is always afraid is happy, is content, is good, right? Makshe but a person who hardens his heart, yipol bera'ah, you will fall into trouble. Right, so that's a very reassuring, um, you know, soft, comforting line. And what on earth is that supposed to mean? But it's just the pasuk there in Mishleh. Be afraid always. You never know what's going to happen. You, d- you lack response, right? Your heart hardens at any point, you will fall. Yeah? It's the kind of, you know, pasuk you want up on your office or in your bedroom or whatever the case may be. All right, so that's an interesting one. We're going to have to come back to that because you can imagine that the hachamim have some gloss on this, right, in the way that they, they, they read it. But it's brought up and it's an issue, so we're going to have to take a look at it. But there are situations in which the Torah is concerned, right? Akadosh Baruch Hu, God, is concerned with us being fearful in situations where it is not worth being afraid. It's not a good thing. Don't be afraid where there is nothing to be afraid of. Now, there are situations when, you know, it's worth being afraid and you hope that you have some level of fear because otherwise you really could be in trouble. But there's different ways that we deal with things. There's fears that we project onto a reality that are not necessarily there. And then there's like situations that are genuinely impinging upon us that we recognize we are frightened of and we have every reason to be frightened of them. We're worried about things that we are afraid of that don't necessarily have real reason for us to be afraid. So look at this pasuk. Very interesting. This is in Tehillim. And in Tehillim, uh, David HaMelech is writing, says, Lam al mahalat maskil David. He opens the Mizmor saying, Amar naval belibo en Elohim. He says, an ignorant person says there is no God. So it's interesting because he's opening this discussion 
of fear with this question of there is no God. Which means what? I mean, if there is no God, you know, what, what kind of thing does that tell you as far as fears are concerned? You're on your own. You're on your own. Right? You are completely on your own. There is no real external protection out there. Yeah? So he says, look, an ignorant person says that. They haven't really thought about it very well. But he continues. And he says in Vav, in 6, he says, Sham pahadu pahad. There, they feared fear. It's a very interesting. FDR thought he was the first one to say this. He was not. Right? They feared fear. But there was no fear. So what does it mean to fear fear? I mean, everybody quotes FDR, and I have it here on the paper. What, what, what did he mean by that? We have nothing to fear but fear itself. It sounds cute. What is he saying? I'm asking you, what does it mean? I added the rest of the quote here because I think that it's important that we should see it in context. Right, he said this at his, at his inaugural address in 1933 where he was taking over from Hoover. The entire country was in serious depression. What was he, what was he saying? What did he mean? Yeah. There isn't really anything to be afraid of. We're in control. But we're psych- psychologically, we might go into a, a state of fear, a state of torpor, yeah. and, and not be able to operate yeah. properly. So we should be concerned about the fact that we have fear and that we can't control it. That's what we should be afraid of. In other words, we should be afraid of the fear functions that we have to deal with as human beings. Because what does it do? He's saying, there was no fear. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror, which paralyzes needed efforts to what? Convert retreat into advance. You need to convert retreat into advance. What was the treat, retreat that was going on here? People were rushing to the banks and getting all their money out, which was causing the entire society to collapse. So <laughs> what he's saying is, the only thing we really should be afraid of, I mean, look, we can get out of this. We just need to breathe. We need to focus. We need to do some government programs, <laughs> you know, which is what he did. And we'll be able to get out of this. But if you do not fear your fears then we're done for. Because what are we talking? It's nameless. It's nothing. There's nothing really there. And so that's exactly what the Pasuk in Tehillim is talking about. Saying, Sham pachadu pachad. They were just afraid of fear. But loaya pachad. But there was nothing really to be afraid of. So they were fearing the very fact of their own fears. They didn't know what to do with themselves. And they had nothing to hold on to. Because they didn't feel that there was anything really that they could stop and focus on and be able to ground themselves in as far as reality was concerned. So they were in this terrible storm of fear. And what Kadosh Baruch Hu says at the end, I mean, he's saying, speaking for God, Me ten Israel. I mean, if we could just save you, right? If we could just rescue you and bring you back, Israel. Right? So this is going to be an important thing because we're going to find that the fears of Israel are deeply tied to their lack of being home. We'll see that, right? But it's very interesting. There are few places in the Torah where HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I'm going to scare you. But He does. He says, I'm going to scare you. 
And you know when that's going to happen? When I throw you out of your house. I'm not just going to throw you out of your house. I'm going to throw you out of your house and I'm going to scare the daylights out of you. And you will, you will have no sense of wit in your reality. Right? So we'll have a look at that. But this is what's going on, right? The response to Sham Pachadu Pachad is HaKadosh Baruch Hu, or this Pasuk that's responding, Mi ten Yisrael b'shuv Adonai shevut amo. When God finally brings His nation back. And they have a home to speak of. Which I'll put it out now. I was going to take a talk about this later, but there's this, there's this great dialogue that, between Herman Wuk and Ben-Gurion. And, you know, I brought, it, I brought it in here. I put it in here. So let's take a look. And he writes about this in The Will to Live On. And he said he was talking to Ben-Gurion in Israel. And Ben-Gurion says to him, he says, uh, they were leaving. Herman Wook says, you know, we're about to leave. We were leaving. And he came out with his straight Zionist line. No more hints. He had been hinting the entire time that he was with him. And he says to him, you must return here to live. This is the only place for Jews like you. Here you will be free, says Ben-Gurion to Herman Wook. Herman Wook says, free? I ventured to reply, free with enemy armies ringing you, with their leaders publicly threatening to wipe out the Zionist entity? With your roads impassable after sundown, free? I didn't say safe, said Ben-Gurion. I said free. Right. So for some reason, <laughs> for some reason, that's supposed to mitigate fears. Do we need safety in order not to be free? Or do we need to know who we are in order to be free? So there are problems with being afraid in times that we're not supposed to be afraid or there is nothing to fear. Problems, by problems I mean it's sinful as far as the Torah is concerned. It's a very interesting story. Take a look. Brachot. <clears throat> it says there was a student who was walking with the rabbis in the shuk. Rabbi Ishmael, the son of Rabbi Yoseh, in the marketplace of Tzion. Rabbi Ishmael saw that the student was afraid. He saw that he was a... His rab said to him, You're a sinner. Simply because the young student was afraid. So the student said to him, oh, said, why do I call you a sinner? He says, It says that the sinners of Zion, of Zion, were afraid. So if you're afraid and you're in Zion, then you must be a sinner. <laughs> there must be a problem on your hands. So what does the student say to him? I mean, he recalled his psukim from childhood and he said, This is our first tamid." Doesn't it say in Mishleh, you're supposed to always be afraid? That was our first line. And Rabbi Ishmael says to him, He goes, oh, you must not have gotten the Misorah on that Pasuk. That Pasuk is talking about the words of Torah. You should be very afraid that you forget what you learn. Which going to see is a key component in terms of fear in general. Learning is an extremely important part of dealing with fear. Because fear comes out in the unknown, doesn't it? I mean, even if you have a phobia, the phobia of the thought of whatever it is that you have a phobia, the thought is, I don't know how this is going to hurt me. I just know that it will. 
I believe that it will, but I don't know what's going to happen. That's why part of dealing with phobias is to be able to face these things, actually experience what the situation is before, so that it deals with the unknown of what a situation like this could possibly be. So of course wisdom and learning and understanding is an extremely powerful tool to be able to deal with fear. And so the Rav said to his Talmud, yeah, there is only one thing to really be afraid of all the time, and that is that you forget what you learn. You forget what you learn, and you're back to the unknown. And that's where fear actually comes in. So if you're walking with me in Yerushalayim, I'm your Rav, I'm not afraid, and I turn back and I see you're afraid, you've got issues. There is some kind of chet that you have to deal with. I'm not talking any particular chet. That in and of itself is a chet. Because your loss of recognition of who you are, where you are, why you're here, and what it means to be you in this time, in this situation, and you're still afraid, something's wrong. You must have a poor recognition of the reality that you're in. So that's what his Rav is telling him. How lucky was this Talmud to be walking in the shuk with Rabbi Ishmael? That's a lesson right there. That probably stuck with that Talmud for the rest of his life, and it was so important a lesson that the Gemara quoted it and made sure that it was there in perpetuity. So that's one thing, right? He's saying you cannot forget your Torah. Viramhal, Rabbi Moshe Haim Luzato says, fear in general is paralysis, it will truncate the growth of your life, it will stop you from being able to do anything developmental and worthwhile. Take a look. He says, right? One of the things that keeps alacrity, diligence, down from causing us any ability to be able to move, it's all of our crazy fears. And the tremendous reverence and worry that we have, from what time and everything that it brings us. Basically, the unfolding of reality. We have no idea how things are going to go. Anything could happen. So imagine what it is to live in this state of mind. I want to pause here for one minute. It is not beneficial for human beings to live in a situation in which anything could be a problem. And that's what the Ramchal is saying. Even religiously, that's a problem. And one can live one way or another. Religiously, a person can live. Anything can be a problem. And therefore, I can live with God, even God and religion, from a place of fear. And that kind of fear, which I'm not going to talk about tonight, but you can come to Lauderdale Road when I do speak about this, not in a very, uh, not in a long, not long from now. It is not, that kind of fear has no place. There's fear of sin, yes. Fear of God, absolutely. Fear that I might make a mistake and get in trouble, not so much. We're going to see. It's used. But to live in a state of fear, that's not part of it. We'll see that another time. So he says over here, he says, look, you're going to be afraid. One day you'll be afraid that it's too cold outside. Then you'll be afraid that it's too hot outside. You'll worry that something bad's going to happen. You're worried you're going to get sick. 
Sometimes you worry that it's just too windy outside. You know who says, I can't go outside because there might be a lion on the road? Lazy people. That's who say that. It's the laziness that causes them not to move and that ultimately is driven by fear. Who knows what's going to happen? I can't do it. I can't be bothered. I can't be bothered to get up and worry about these things. I have no idea what might befall me if I do. Well, okay, deal with it. So he's saying, this is not a way for a person to be able to live an effective life. Achamim already disparaged anybody who lives like this. They said a person who lives like this is sinning by living this way. And there is a pasuk that helps him. And he's drawing from what was taught in our Gemara that we just saw. The people who are afraid in Sion, they're hataim. They're essentially transgressors. Until one of the hachamim saw his own student afraid and he said, Hata'at, you're sinning in your very fear. Okay, so, you know, that's very nice, and it's great to be told that I'm a sinner. If I have this problem, what do I do about it? It's not so easy to just hear somebody say to you, don't be afraid, and say, okay, I won't. There has to be tactics with which to deal with this. What does the Torah recommend in terms of dealing with this? Well, we're going to go from a kalel kaved. We're going to go from the simple things to the more profound things. The simplest thing that the Torah says Take a look. Also, Pasuk and Mishle. It says, if, a, if there is worry in the heart of a person, Yesichena. It uses this word, Yesichena. That word could mean one of two things. And there are two hachamim that address it. Ravameh and Ravaseh. One says, Ravameh says, Yesichena midato. Yesichena means like Heseach hadat. You should remove it from your mind. So you know how they say, if you're afraid, whistle a happy tune? Whistle a happy tune. It's Jiminy Cricket. Right? He was not the first one to come up with this advice. Gemara was the first one to come up with this advice. Do what you need to, to pull it out of your mind. Why? Because what will happen is, your fears will become obsessive fears. And you will not be able to get it out of your head. So do whatever it is that you need to. To get it out of your head. Rabbi Yaseh says, Yesichena comes from Lashon Siach. Speak it. Tell someone about it. Because the minute that you bring it out of your own head, and the obsessive revolutions that go on in your own head about it, and you speak it out to someone else, it comes into reality. Light is brought onto it, and you can hear reason. From the outside. That's 2,000 year old advice. But it's very simple advice. And very practical advice. Now we know that doing that helps your amygdala connect to your prefrontal cortex. And it helps actually heal you. But that was the advice of the Hachami. Good advice. So the first basic thing is, don't keep them in your head. Do what you need to to get them out of your head, whether it's getting them out of your head because, through distraction 
or is getting them out of your head through delivering it to someone else and having it outside is helpful. It's helpful. Use your mind to fix your brain. So the next thing is, as we said, wisdom. If I recognize that basically the majority of my fears are a result of me not knowing, what we fill not knowing with more often than not is fear. So if I have a blank spot, right? So I always mention this, you know, in the old maps. I said this, I think, last time. The old maps before the entire earth was discovered and we knew what was going on. If you look at the old maps, there are the regions of undiscovered territory and there are, there are dragons on the map, sea dragons. And it says, here be monsters. That's what we put into the territory that we didn't know about. Of course, it's where the wild things are. You just don't know where they are. You just don't know what's going on over there. So once you face the wild things, you know, you can become king of the wild things. But until you actually face it, figure it out, see what's going on, the first response that human beings have to the unknown is fear. The first response, not the, not the only response, but the first response, more often than not, is fear. How do we, fe- how do we heal that? Learn. Discover. The more that you know, and the more awareness that you have, the more you are able to handle the element of fear, because you first of all, on a biological level, empower your prefrontal cortex. You empower the capacity for reason. This is, by the way, one of the reasons why reason is so important, even in Torah. I was just reading a piece from uh, Rabbi Israel Reisman, who used to have a shul right across the street from me in Brooklyn. But he was very well known because he, would give, he gave shir in Navi every Motsayi Shabbat. It was attended by hundreds of people. He broadcasted it all over, right? I just saw a piece by him that he wrote about sgulot. You know what sgulot are? Right? These are things that people say to do in order to be able to keep yourself safe from any kind of bad things happening. Right? So Rabbi Reisman was a Talmud of Rav Pam Zatzal. And he said himself, he said, you know, people think that what harm does it do to do one of these schoolot? He says, first of all, he said he's not 80 years old, he's not 100 years old, but he can remember 20 and 30 years before schoolot that he heard today that he never heard before. So what did people do before these schoolot that came in 20 years ago? You know, what did they do? There are situations, there are sgulot that Ashkenazim have that Sfaradim don't, Sfaradim have that Ashkenazim don't. What do the others do? You know, without these things. And he said that there was a situation with one of his children that they had a trouble and there was a sgula that they found from Rishon. And he asked Rav Pam if he should do this sgula. And Rav Pam said, is there no way to help this child in medical terms? And he said, no, there's a way to help the child. He said, Stay away from the sgula. Stay away. What do you lose? What you lose, please listen very carefully, what you lose is reason. That's one of the things that you lose. And if you lose reason, it is a recurring problem. Because the reason why you use the sgula will come back. Because the reason has never been brought out. And therefore, you live in the unknown. 
And if you live in the unknown, you live in fear. And if you live in fear, you will always be looking for ways to be able to fix it, but ways that are not necessarily grounded in reality. Worse than that, and we'll see later on why it's worse, is not just reason. It has to do with your relationship with God. So one must be very, very careful. So the major thing is, the major way to deal with fear in general is wisdom. So take a look. The hacham mikol adam, that's why, by the way, King Solomon always speaks about fear. He was the wisest man. He was the melech hacham, right? So when he's talking and he's giving over wisdom, he has this particular preoccupation with fear. There's no need to be afraid. Although, interestingly, there's a midrash about King Solomon. King Solomon had serious problems with fear because he was too smart for his own good, say the Hachamim. And he went through this whole ordeal in which he had to end up writing a line in Shir Shirim that he had 60 people around his bed with swords on their laps ready to take anything out, mipachad balelot, from the fear of night. We do not have time to go into King Solomon's story, but it's very interesting that that was his issue. The wisest man had to deal with fear. And that's what got him. Right? That's what caught him. Anyway, take a look what he writes over here. He says, A person that has found wisdom, that person is secure and sturdy. That wisdom, it is a tree of life for those who cling to it. And anybody who supports it will be will be well standing. Of course, we read this to be Torah. And the wisdom of Torah. But it uses the word chokhmah here on purpose. And that is the recurring theme throughout this Perak and Mishle. Adonai bechokhmah yasad aretz. Know that God established this earth with wisdom. So whatever you see it as being lunatic, zany, crazy world out there, understand that it was established and its foundations are the wisdom of God. So you don't get it. That's fine. But there's reason here. Godly reason. Godly wisdom. Know that that is the bedrock of the world in which you live. That alone, if a person recognizes it, is able to mitigate the fears. He says to him, My son, be careful. Always take cunning Planning. Use it. Hold it. He says they should be on your head. They should guide you where it is that you walk. You'll never have problems. When you walk, if you use wisdom as your guide, as your crown, you will never have to worry. You'll walk securely. You won't stumble when you move. If you go to sleep, you lie down to go to bed, which is always the problem. When you start to you know, power down and give yourself full vulnerability to the world when your wits are not about you, which is the scariest time, you will not be afraid. Not only will you sleep, it will be sweet your sleep. You'll enjoy your sleep. You'll sleep well. Yeah? So what, do you, what is your solution to be able to sleep well? Learn. 
And what happens is, it doesn't just mean that you learn, you know, you go through school and you can sleep well. Because as we all know, there are things that come up in life that confuse us. They draw out fears that we never realize were even in there. And what has to happen as a result of them, this is very important to pay close attention to. I'm not just talking about book learning. I'm talking about wisdom. So if we live a life at at all conscious, and we have things that come into our life that bring out anxieties, fears, concerns, and so on and so forth, the best thing that we can do is try to understand them. Not try to explain them away. Not try to make excuses for them. But go through the difficult work of trying to understand them. Because very often, what we will be doing in trying to understand them is going to deep parts of ourselves that we don't really want to go to. Because they're dark, they are unknown, and they are scary. And so it requires bravery to be able to go into understanding what is happening to you. What is the experience? That's Torah. That's what he's saying. You want to be able to sleep and have your sleep be sweet and pleasurable and good? What's keeping you up at night? Why are you tossing and turning? Why do you need to listen to the television, the radio, your podcast, whatever it is, in order to be able to get you to be able to sleep at night? Something's there. Look at it. Learn it. Understand it. And what it requires is to be able to take things out of the dark that we don't want to see because we don't know what we're going to find. And if we don't know what we're going to find, there's your fear. It requires courage to live. Courage means whole heart. You have to be able to live with your entire heart. And so, Shlomo HaMelech says... If you do that, you won't fear sudden fright that comes to you. Because even if you are frightened, I mean, it happens. You could be frightened. That's the whole thing about fright. It's different than fear. Fright is, is impinging. It is close. It is imminent. It gets you. And then all of a sudden you realize it's just grandma. Right? You could be in a room, quietly reading, And all of a sudden, somebody walks into the room. You have no idea who it is. It doesn't matter. But you're afraid. It shocks you. I mean, unfortunately, I do this to my wife all the time. I really try not to, but it happens all the time. (laughs) That's why in Masechet Derech Eretz, by the way, Masechet Derech Eretz, you can find at the end of Masechet Avodah Zarah in the Gemara. People don't know where that is there. But in Masechet Derech Eretz, it says a person should not walk into his house without ringing the bell. Mm. Meaning, when you come into the house, say, I'm home. Hello. Don't sneak up upon the people who are in the house. Causes fright. Why? Yeah, but it's just you. Yeah, but nobody knows that it's just you until they're able to recon- re- you know, reconcile the fact that there was nobody here and now there is somebody here and the somebody here is just you or grandma or the puppy or whoever it is. But there's fright in the instance. So what it's saying is you won't fear immediate, uh, uh, um, sudden fright. It may frighten you in a moment, but you'll be able to reconcile because you'll have well gra- good grounding. It's the reason why... Un- it's amazing. This is Parashat HaShavuah. 
Chazal say, why did the Kohen Gadol have to wear bells? Because he was walking into God's house. You don't walk into the house without ringing the bell. It's not Derech Eretz. Make yourself known. Don't sneak up on anyone, God included. So, this will keep you. So what is the wisdom? The best wisdom that we have is Torah. It talks about everything. It gives you keys to everything. Principles for everything. We started talking 3,000 years ago and we haven't stopped. There's nothing on this planet that we haven't dealt with. Nothing. Nothing that's been brought out that you cannot find Torah discuss on one level or another. Turn it over, turn it over, turn it over. Everything's in it. And it's unmatched. It's unrivaled. So what it says in, what it says in Mishle is, Shumeali, if you listen to me, HaKadosh Baruch saying, look, I've spoken to you, if you listen to me, Yishkon Betach, you'll be able to live securely. V'sha'anan mi and you'll be fine from any kind of harmful fears. You'll recognize them for what they are. They will not overtake you, they will not overcome you, they will not govern your life, they will not take hold of you. You'll have to deal with them, but you will be able to. You will not retreat. You'll know that there is something to be understood here. You may not know it for decades. I mean, I'm talking to somebody now who's going through some very difficult times. And, and he keeps saying, I don't understand why. I said, it's not supposed to be understood yet. <coughs> be in it. It's like Churchill says. If you're going through hell, keep going. So, it may be that the understanding of these things comes 10 years later, 20 years later, 8 years later. But if you know that the world is yusad bechokhmah, if you know that the world is founded in wisdom of God, then you go through not necessarily understanding, but knowing that it's not just random and meaningless. There's something there. And there's something here for me. And I have to be able to deal with it. And so, the Malbim himself says, what does Shomeali mean? Sounds like God's talking, right? Shomeali ishkon betach. You listen to me, you'll, you'll live securely. The Malbim says, Shomeali sheboteach belibo al chokhmato. Your heart becomes secure on what? On your wisdom. Or his wisdom. Or both. What else can you secure yourself on? What else is going to save you? I was talking to you know, the community at one point, and we're talking about what safety and how it is that you can be safe and so on and so forth. And, so forth. and one person raised his hand and said, but you can never be. You have no idea what's going to happen. And he, of course, was absolutely right. Which is the core issue here. You can talk about it all you want. You can learn about it all you want. At the end of the day, there has to be a recognition that there is only so much one can do. You have no idea what's going to be. And so there has to be one base thing, basic thing, one core issue. And that is, Adonai Bechokhmai Yasad Aretz. God established the world in wisdom. 
and that God is there. And if you don't have that, well then, yes, I mean, you know, it's not a proof for God. But understand the implications of the difference. It makes all the difference in the world. Because at the end of the day, if there is no God, Amar Naval Bilibo and Elohim, right? Like we saw at the very beginning, no matter how many securities you create, you are pulling yourself up from your own bootstraps. And there is no way around it. None. There's no way around it. And so what he's saying is, no, in your chokhmah, be aware, be wise, no, not only your wisdom, but God's wisdom. It's amazing what the Malbim is saying here. He's saying the wisdom will protect you. The reason and knowledge will protect you of reality. From anything that can come outside of you. Nothing will touch you. So, what we're saying then, is the wisdom, which is essentially the foundation that God has put into the world, that we strive to be able to understand and incorporate into our lives, is the fortress. And so that's where it goes. The fortress ultimately is the knowledge, not the belief, it's very interesting. It's very, very interesting. Chazal do not talk about the security being the, not, being the belief in God. You have to know. You have to know that there is an origin to all things, that there is a path to this world and a direction to where it is it's going. Your life is meaningful. You must know it. And so it says over here, very interestingly, take a look. It says, Herdat Adam Yiten Mokesh. The fear, Kharida, again, it's trembling. The trembling of a person will bring a person into a trap. It will trap you. It will lock you away from a life. Uboteach Badonai Yisugav. But a person who puts their security in God, Yisugav. Yisugav means they will be protected. Right? They will be lifted and taken in, into protection. That's what Nisgav means. So there's a pasuk that says, the name of God is a tower of strength. In that tower, a tzaddik will run. Not anybody, right? It doesn't say anybody will run there. A tzaddik can run there. A tzaddik will know that that's where he's going to run. Vinisgav means he will run in there and he will be protected. So what is the protection in that pasuk? The name of God is the tower of refuge. Right? So you go into this tower, which is the name of God, and there is where you find protection. What does that mean? What on earth does that mean? The name of God. Here's where the Rambam comes in. Rambam says, I'll tell you what that means. First, take a look at the Ibn Ezra, right? The Ibn Ezra says, Hashem Yisagabehu. When it says in the Pasuk in number 13 that he will be the trust in the Lord, he shall be safeguarded, he says it's not the Lord, it's the name of the Lord. The Ibn Ezra makes a point of saying that. He says, 
Hashem Yisagebehu, Mivne HaMacharid, from anything that causes fear. He says another perush, Ish Mefached Veloiten Miftacho Bashem, if a person is afraid and doesn't put a security in the name, yes, I know we say Hashem, but what does Hashem mean? We say it all the time, Hashem, Hashem, Hashem. What does Hashem mean? It's the name. Bashem Yebo'ehu Mashira. If you don't put your trust in the name, well then it'll come to you, whatever it is that you're fearing. So there's this pasuk in number 15 that I just quoted. And Harambam says about it, says about it as follows, says this about it. What's my time? We have 10 minutes? We have 5 minutes? What do we have? Yeah? So he goes... So he says, he says like this, because he brings the Pasuk, he brings Tehillim Tzadi Aleph 91. And Tehillim 91 is called the Shirap Gaim, or the Mizmor of Gaim. It's called the Mizmor that deals with uh, problems or difficulties or you know, harmful elements in life. So it says, a person will experience a whole bunch of things. Experience external problems, one-on-one problems interpersonal problems, danger problems, all kinds of things. And what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is saying, David is writing here, he says, let's take a look at um, number, let's start from number 10, from Pasuk 10. You don't have it in the English, it's Yud. Lo In the English, it is, for you the Lord is your refuge. You see that in the middle of the column on, uh, yeah? For you, the Lord, is your refuge. The Most High, you have made your abode. No harm will befall you, nor affliction draw near to your tent. For His messengers, He charges for you to guard you on all your ways. Right? On their palms, they lift you up, lest your foot be bruised by a stone. On lion and viper, you tread. You trample young lion and serpent. Right? He's not saying that you stay away. You walk on these things. For me he has desired and I freed him. All of this, why? Only because he has desired me. He has looked after me. Asagebehu means I raise him up. Why? Because he knows my name. So the Ramam says, why is he protected? What's the protection that's happening over here? Kiadashimi, says in the Pasuk. Because he knows my name. Says the Rambam, on the gloss on this in the Morin de Bukhim, he says, He gives reason for this tremendous protection that is provided here in this Pasuk, in these Pasukim. Amar, he says, At the bottom of 7 of 14, see here it says 7 of 14, right? So I'm at the bottom here. Reading the Hebrew. The reason why this man can enjoy such protection from God. I do it because he knows my name. He says, I've already explained in the previous chapters, the knowledge of the name, it is the grasp of what God is. Of knowing his attributes. So elsewhere, took a look at number 18. It says about Moshe Rabbeinu, when he asks God, 
in next week's parasha, he asks God, Show me your ways. The Rambam says, what was Moshe asking when he asked God, show me your ways? He was saying, I want to know you. Because it says, If you show me your ways, if you show me the way that you engage in this world, what it is, how it is that you run this world, through that I will know you. And I will find favor in your eyes. So how does he know him, says the Rambam? He goes, take a look at the wondrous things in this one line that Moshe Rabbeinu says to God. Saying to God, show me your ways so that I can know you. First thing it tells us is you can know God through His expressions. That's how you come to know God. Look at the world. Study the Torah. Know His expressions. Understand and learn. That's how you know Him. And is saying that I will therefore find favor in your eyes. It tells you that someone who knows God, that's the person that finds favor in God's eyes. Not just somebody who fasts and prays alone. What the Rambam is saying, you can fast and you can pray. And those are good things. But it isn't what brings you favor in God's eyes alone. You need to know Him. And what it's saying in the Tehillim in 91 is, not only do you need to know Him, you know Him and you desire Him. You look to be close to Him. Says HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I will lift that person up. Ki He knows my name. He knows who I am. And that's all HaKadosh Baruch Hu is asking. Spend time to get to know me. I'll take care of you. Or you can do sgulot. Or you can wear red strings. Or you could throw some salt over your shoulder. I mean, look, you know, you could do any of those things. You could try to beat the odds any way that you want to beat the odds. But I'm telling you one thing. There is one surefire way. Get to know me. Study. Make the effort. Learn. See me through my expressions. Because I'm making those expressions for you. So it's very powerful what the Rambam is saying over here. Saying it's telling us that a person who knows God is the one who's Motsechen, not just Mishi Yatsum Palel. Very important. So this is the last thing that I want to I want to end with. This this whole issue of fear. The Rambam says there's two things I want to end with. The Rambam says. He says, you must steer clear of superstitions. All superstitions are there to mitigate fear. Aren't they? Aren't they? Why do we do these crazy things? And we're all susceptible to them. We're susceptible to them because we choose them over wisdom. We choose them over relationship. Relationship and wisdom require vulnerability. Why does wisdom require vulnerability? Because I have to be vulnerable enough to say, I have no idea. I don't know.
it is the only way someone can learn. And so the Hachamim have to come out and say to us, person who's bashful cannot learn. Because if you're too afraid to say, I don't understand, I don't know, I don't know what you're talking about, I've never read it, I haven't heard it, I didn't see it, I don't understand you. I hear you, I don't understand you. If one cannot say those things, one cannot learn. So we will choose protection and safety over the vulnerability of learning and knowledge. If we are not vulnerable, we cannot have relationships because we never let anyone in. And we don't, it's not just about letting one, someone in for us to care for. We don't let people care for us or love us. Both of those things require us to deal with fears and to be brave enough to be vulnerable to learn and to love. And if one cannot learn and love, one is left entirely to their own devices in isolation and ultimately living a life of fear. So what is the key component? And so therefore I just want to point out to you very quickly, the Rambam talks about superstitions. And look at the language that he uses in his discussions about superstitions. Uh, it's number... Yeah, number 19. So he starts off saying, Udvarim ha'elu kulam. These things, all of them, what are these things that he's um, coming in in the middle of a, of a sentence here? He's talking about superstitions. So he says, I want you to know, all of these things, divre sheker v'chazavhim, they are lies and they are deceitful. It is these kinds of things that every priest in every idol worshipping place used to lure people into the idol worship. All idol worship is grounded on fear. You want to be saved? We can help you. That's it. That's all. The whole thing. Notice the language here. It's on page 10 of 14. Second line on the right. Ve'en Israel. It is not fitting for Israel shehem hachamim mechukamim. Look at how many times he uses the word chokmah over here. It is not fitting for Israel that they are wise people who are invested in wisdom. For them to allow themselves to be drawn after this nonsense, this emptiness. You should not allow it to even enter your heart. That there is any value to them. As it says, is none of this in Israel and Yaakov. Yeah? And then it continues. Don't think that these things are dvar chokhmah. Don't think that there's any wisdom in this. It's just that the Torah told us not to do it. No, there is no wisdom in it. It is not wise. It is based on nonsense, fear, and ignorance. You are a wise people. Don't do it. Be wise. And so, the entirety, the whole emblem for this, the entire seat for all of this, what the whole concept is couched in, is one thing. Breit. Covenant. What HaKadosh Baruch Hu started with, 
Avraham Avinu was Avraham, Abe. It's a crazy world out there. I'm going to walk with you through the entire thing. Deal? Deal. So it is astonishing. Because you know the bracha that we make at a Brit Milah? It's the craziest bracha. Makes no sense if you look at it on the surface. Understand that for us, the Jewish people, hachamim mechukamim, these wise people who have lived through the world, I mean, it's not just stam that they call us a wise people. Some hate us for us, some love us for it, some don't get it, some give all kinds of rationale for it, whatever the case may be. The bottom line is, is that we have been thinking for 3,000 years because we have been vulnerable enough to think. You know what it's like in Israel? There's no hierarchies. If you're in a position of authority, you better be prepared to be challenged by your underlings. You better be prepared to be questioned, to be challenged, to be vetted by your subordinates. Welcome to Israel. That's the way we are. We will answer questions with questions because we're not afraid to answer a question with a question. There's none of these niceties. We can't afford the niceties because we're too vulnerable. We allow ourselves too much vulnerability because it's more important for us to understand than it is for us to be protected. That's our legacy as a people. And our legacy is that as a people, although people don't understand it because of the breed. Because we have committed to walk through this world with God. And if we're going to walk through this world with God, then we need to know what the world is about and what's going on. Because it's our only connection to Him. It's Torah as a framework for that reality and that connection. And it is understanding what is actually going on in this world. So you know what that means? I'm bringing it down to a landing, so pay close attention to the last things that I'm telling you. Do you know what that means? If we are committed to walking in covenant with God throughout this world and being vulnerable to have to dedicate ourselves to truth and wisdom, which means that the truth that kicks us in the behind, excuse me for saying, ultimately is what we choose. It means that we as a people cannot afford comfort zones. Because what are comfort zones? Comfort zones are insulators. Comfort zones are protectors. They keep us from having to deal with the rude, harsh, raw realities of life until they just come in and we can't hold them back anymore. So do you know what we were committing to when we committed to covenant with God? We were committing to no comforts, no protections. You want us, God, to walk through this crazy world with no protections? Yes, that's what I'm asking you. I'm your protection. Me and only me. Take it or leave it. Abraham took it. And if you're sitting here in a synagogue, and you're still trying to learn Torah, and you care about your Judaism, guess what? You took it too. And there's no way out. And that means that we are open, vulnerable, and susceptible to all it is that the world brings us. And our protection is one thing and one thing only. The one who made it all.
That's what we took. And that's why, by the way, Brit Milah, the actual act of Brit Milah is removing protections. I mean, what do you think the foreskin's for? Biologically. It's protective. And what we do is we have to remove the protection. That's what Brit is. So you know what we say to Brit Milah? What's the bracha? Look at this crazy bracha. The bracha is, Aharkach mevarech aviyaben. Then the aviyaben, or the mal, or echad minamomdim, anybody who's standing there. Because everybody's part of the Brit. That standing there has to say the following bracha. Baruch Hashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam Asher Kiddesh Yadid Mi Betin Who sanctified His beloved from the womb. Bechok Bish'erosam And He established in His flesh a sign Vetzetza'av Hatam Be'ot Kodesh And all of His descendants He established with a sign of the covenant, of the holy covenant. Here's the bit. Alken, Therefore God Bishar zot in merit of this, tzavel yatzil yedidut she'erenu mishachat. Command to save all of our brethren from annihilation. Do you understand that this is the bracha that we make at Brit Milah? You have nothing else to say at the Brit Milah but save us from annihilation? That's what we say. Because that's precisely what we're doing. We are stripping away every protection we are taking away every comfort and we are accepting one protection and one protection only. Life, the source of it all, God, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the name, Hashem. And our entire endeavor is to know that name. And the response is, Asagabehu, I will hold you up. You know my name, I will hold you up. You could do that or the red string, whatever you want. Throw some salt. It's fine. You could try one or the other. But that's what we say to Brit Milah. So I found this very interesting thing. This is an interesting anecdote, right? A segula. Rav Nachem Breslov. It's a crazy, it's the most beautiful segula. This is a beautiful segula. He says, you know what you could do to save yourself from fear? There's a segula when you're afraid. Think of Avraham Avinu. <laughs> that's, that's a segula. Look. This is Rav Nachman, Sefer Amitoy. He says, Gula, lebatel tapachat, you want to take away, nullify any fear? Score to Avraham Avinu. Remember Avraham. For most people, it's just not good enough. <laughs> what am I going to do with Avraham? That's everything. It's the breed. So I wish you, uh, you know, pleasant dreams and sleeping and walking and secure movement and so on and so forth. And, and no fears. No fears. Shabbat Shalom. <laughs>